So the Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, and can be found on page 852 of the Church Bibles. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Good morning, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who speaks to us. You have not stayed far off and away from us, but that you have come to us through your word and you have come to us through your Son. Father, we pray that as we come to your word this morning, that you would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and that you would have us walk away this morning loving him more and serving him more faithfully and more passionately. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. If you have ever owned a pet, or more specifically, if you have ever uh, lost a pet, you'll be familiar with the process of creating a lost pet poster. Maybe it's uh, something you've done a few times, in which case you probably have to look at yourself and think, maybe the problem is with me and not with my pet. But uh, if that is you, then you will know that it is no easy task to create a lost pet poster, whether it is for your cat or your dog, it's not an easy process. Because first of all, you need to start by finding a photo of your dog or your cat. And until you search for a photo of your dog or your cat, you don't know how hard it is to find one where the dog is, has a good hair day and is, you know, you've caught it on its good side and there's, you know, there's no cousin in the background or you, know, or you need to find one where your dog is smiling. Well, that is the hard bit. So anyway, you find your photo and you create your poster. So there's your dog with a nice smile and there's, uh, on his front teeth. And then you create your poster. So you say, lost dog, responds to its name, as you wonder why you let your nine-year-old call your dog Cornelius III. Much-loved member of the family, many tears were shed at its missing, call and you leave your phone number, reward, and then how much does somebody deserve for returning your animal? Is the reward a handshake at the door? Ten bucks? I don't know. You've got to work that out for yourself. Um... But it's a hard thing to create a lost animal poster. And I think we do these because we just want to do something. Because what I can't work out is how these things actually work. I mean, presumably they do work because people still create them every time they lose an animal. But how is it supposed to work? Is it up to me as a responsible citizen of my shire or suburb to see these posters and lock the image in my head and then sort of search in every backyard as I'm walking along just in case it's been stolen? Or is it up to the dog to see the poster and recognise itself and sit there until someone else puts it together? I don't know. I think we do these things just because we want to feel like we do something when it is lost. 
but in reality, we're maybe not all that good at searching. But today, as we come to Luke 19, we are going to see someone who is far better at searching for the lost than we are. And we are going to be hearing about Jesus. And as we heard in the Bible reading by Joe, verse 10 of Luke 19, where Jesus himself says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And I want us to spend our time this morning looking at Jesus. Because so often when we come to the Gospels, we're so eager to rush to the application for us in our lives that we forget to look at Jesus. Let me give you an example. When we think of the thief on the cross, we're so quick to uh, think about how all we need to do is ask Jesus to save us and he will save us. And we think that's great. That's all I need to do. And that's a fantastic thing to take out of that scene with Jesus and the thief on the cross. But we skip over the fact that there Jesus is, hanging on a cross, pouring out his life. And still he's so other person centered, so servant hearted, so keen to seek and save the lost. that in his moment of death, he is thinking of someone else and saving them. So often when we come to the Gospels, we skip past Jesus. We don't take that moment to pause and look and stand in awe at who the Son of God was. And so as we come to Luke 19 this morning, what I want us to do is focus in on Jesus. See why Luke wrote this chapter. Because he wants to tell us about Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, they'll be helpful for you as we look at Luke 19 this morning. So let's have a look. First of all, we're going to see how Jesus sought the lost. For he came to seek. Luke 19, we'll start in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So in those few verses, we have our introduction to who it is that Jesus is seeking in this passage. And we get a few bits of information about Zacchaeus. We find out that he was a tax collector, in fact, a chief tax collector. We find out that he was wealthy. We find out that his name is Zacchaeus. We find out that he wants to see who Jesus is. And we find out that he's short. Poor Zacchaeus. Everyone seems to dwell on the fact that he was short. Uh, I never got to play Zacchaeus in the school play. But uh, everyone remembers the fact that he was short. But what Luke's original hearers or readers would have picked up on was he was a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Now, tax collectors aren't popular at the best of times. Apologies to any ATO employees out there, but uh, none of us like paying tax. Uh, It's not what we get up. It's not what we get up to do in the morning is, oh, I get to pay my tax today. But... Especially in Jesus' times, tax collectors were despised. Because these were normally Jewish people who had sold themselves out to the Romans to collect taxes on the behalf of the Roman government. They'd turned their back on their people. They'd turned their back on their families so they could line their own pockets. 
Because when they collected tax for the Romans, they would collect extra money for themselves on the side. Sometimes when we look back on tax collectors in the Bible today, we're, we're so used to hearing about them as the, you know, the people in society who were despised that we, we, we sometimes have a bit of a sympathetic disposition towards them and we think, oh, you know, the, the poor tax collectors, nobody liked them. Well, there was a reason why nobody liked them. Because they were horrible people. They were unethical people. If they were around today, they'd be black market traders or money launderers or people that you wouldn't trust with anything. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So he was worse than most. And yet, Jesus sought this tax collector. You see, he was short. So he ran ahead, this is verse 4, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus. Since Jesus was coming that way. And now we reach the decisive moment. Of this passage. Picture it in your heads. Zacchaeus has run ahead. He knows the path that Jesus is going because that's because that's the well-worn path through Jericho towards Jerusalem. So he knows where Jesus is going and he finds a tree and he climbs up. And as the uh, Jesus comes and the entourage around Jesus flow through Jericho, Jesus reached the spot, verse 5. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus came to seek lost people like Zacchaeus. When Jesus stopped and looked up and saw this man in the tree, he didn't just see some strange person he'd never seen before. He saw saw Zacchaeus, who though he'd probably never met him, Jesus knew. For Jesus knows who he is seeking. He knows who he is saving. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He knew that he was wealthy. He knew that he was short. But Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is. Is that your view of Jesus? Someone who knows lost people and seeks them by name. That's not how our world views Jesus. Our world views Jesus in much the same way as they do Gandhi or Buddha or other religious teachers and someone with a, a nice message to bring, ethical teaching, someone who might be able to help us on our, you know, our 10 tips to a healthy, happy and successful life. But Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, not to give us good advice primarily. And that's what he did. He came to earth and he seeked, sought the lost. When Jesus called his disciples, he was seeking the lost. When Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to Saul, who became Paul in Acts 9, he was seeking the lost. When Jesus revealed to John Newton how amazing grace is, he was seeking the lost. When Jesus convicted 11-year-old me that I needed to love him with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my strength and all of my mind, he was seeking a lost kid. 
this very morning, Jesus is seeking the lost. It's what he does. It's who he is. Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. How good it is that when we were lost, someone was seeking us. For without that, we would still be lost. But Jesus doesn't just seek. You see, he also saves. If you seek but don't save, you're useless. Let me explain to you by way of a, uh, a picture in your head. You and some friends have gone on an expedition into the Blue Mountains. And uh, you've been going since the early hours of the morning, so it reaches about 10 o'clock or 10.07 as it currently is, and you say, okay, we, we need a refreshment break here. Uh, and you pick out the mixed nuts and you bring, bring out a bottle of water and you're just going to sit down for five minutes just to catch your breath. But one member of your party says, uh, I'm going to go on ahead, you can catch up with me later. And you say, fine, go ahead, we'll catch up with you soon. So you have your five-minute rest, you enjoy your mixed nuts, they were perfectly salted for you, and uh, you've had your water, so you continue on your journey up the path, expecting to bump into your friend. But five minutes passes and you don't find your friend, and so you, you keep searching, and half an hour goes past and you have seen no trace of them. And all of a sudden, panic starts to set into your little party because you realise that you have lost your friend. You think, what are we going to do? Okay, well, we need to search for them. That's what we need to do. We need to search for our friend. And so you decide to split up into teams of two and uh, scour the, uh, the bush and the scrub to find your lost friend. And you've been searching out there for about five minutes and then you hear from somebody else, we found Ash! And so everybody heads towards the voice where that came from and as you step out into the, the rocky clearing, you see everybody else peering down over the cliff. And as you get there, you notice that it's a 20-meter drop. And three meters down that cliff face is your friend Ash clinging onto a tree root. And you and all your party say, great, we found Ash. We did, pretty good. We did a pretty good job at seeking Ash. We, we sought her very, very well. All right, let's keep going on with the journey. No, it's a search and rescue party. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. If Jesus seeks but doesn't save, he's useless. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, the gospel isn't just an account of uh, Jesus having nice conversations with people. He is on a quest. In Luke 19, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's been heading to Jerusalem for the last 10 chapters in Luke's gospel. If you need extra proof of this, you can see in verse 11 in Luke 19, it says, while they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He's currently in Jericho, which geographically is very, very close to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem... Jesus will hang on a cross to pay the price for the sins of those who trust in him. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So the only way that we can be saved, having the Christ as our perfect substitute. 
And Jesus came to save in this way. And he came to save those who trust him. He came to save people like Zacchaeus. We can see the joy and the the repentance that Zacchaeus displays in this chapter. So let's pick it up again in verse 5. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. This is not some begrudging uh, decision to, to follow the crowd. This is joy from Zacchaeus, who has seen that Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is his king. Jesus is his Lord. In verse 8. You see, verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter. Zacchaeus has gone to be the guest, or Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. We weren't expecting that. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. I'll give it away. See, money doesn't matter to Zacchaeus anymore. How does that happen? How does that happen? Someone who oriented his whole life, his very profession, out of cheating other people out of their money so that he could have it. How does that happen? Someone who dedicated his life to hoarding wealth. How does that happen that all of a sudden he says, I give half of it away. If I've cheated you out of it, take four times. How does that happen? Thomas Chalmers was one of the, uh, or is one of the most significant uh, men in the history of the Scottish church. And in the, the late 1800s, he wrote this. The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. The only way to dispossess, to get rid of from the heart an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. So for Zacchaeus, the only way to dispossess his heart of his love for money, his all-controlling desire to have wealth, the only way he could dispossess his heart of that was by the expulsive power of his love for Jesus Christ. Our hearts only have room for one great love. And Zacchaeus, before Luke chapter 19... His greatest love was money. And then he meets Jesus, and it all changes. For us here this morning, living in 2015, there are things in our lives that contribute or they compete with Jesus to be what we love most. It might be money. It might be like Zacchaeus. Maybe just reading this passage is enough to convict us. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's our career or our status. Or maybe it's our our friendships, our family. Things that have far more of a pull on our emotions than they should. Things that just matter 
far more than they should. Things that we spend far, more, far, much, far too much time thinking about and worrying about. What is it in our lives that we need to dispossess from our heart? The way we do that is to love Christ, to see him for who he is, to see him as the son of God who who left heaven where he was worshipped by angels. He left that to come to earth so that he could seek and to save lost people like you and me. And to see the love that the Savior has poured out on us. Of course we're going to respond in joy. It's magnificent. Jesus came to seek. He came to save. He came for the lost. By now, we've... uh, we've been looking at this for long enough to realize that there are two categories of people in Jesus mind. People are either lost or they're found. Once a lost person has been sought and they've been saved, they are found. You know and love the Lord Jesus, you are found. But it's worth asking a couple of questions to see, well, how can I know if I'm lost? This morning, how can I know if I am lost? Well, I think there's two questions we can ask ourselves. Question one, do you know where you are going? When this world all ends, do you know where you are going? If not, you're lost. Question two, do you know how you are getting there? If you don't know how you're getting there, you're lost. In Luke 15, a few chapters earlier, we see uh, Jesus tell three parables. He tells three parables about things that are lost. He tells the parable of the lost sheep. He tells the parable of the lost coin. And he tells the parable of the lost son, what we know as the parable of the prodigal son. And in that parable, Jesus describes the point at which the son realizes that he is lost. Luke 15 and verse 14, it says, After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. A Jewish boy feeding pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. It's a story of a young man who realizes that he is lost. There's no future. He can't see what's ahead of him. Maybe that's where you stand this morning. You don't know where you're going. Or maybe you can see a future for this earth and you can see a future for where your life is going for the next however many years it is until you die. But at that point you say, I don't know where I'm going. Jesus came to seek to save the lost. 
Or maybe you know where you're going. Maybe you know that since you were a young boy or girl, you've known that you're going to heaven. Heaven is the place you're going to. How are you getting there? Do you know? If you don't know how you're getting there, and the only way is through Christ, you're lost. A few years ago, I was driving in uh, the UK, and I was driving, so there's the UK there in that little red section. Uh, if your eyes are very, very good, you'll be able to see that's, uh, that's, where, that's where we are. And I was driving from Manchester to Stoke. Should take just under an hour. It's a very simple uh, route to get from Manchester to Stoke. You take that road and that road, and you get there. It was about 11 o'clock at night. It had been raining. I'd been driving for a long time that day, and I figured, okay, if I... St- if I find the motorway and I stay in there for about an hour, then I'll start looking for street signs to Stoke and, uh, and we'll, get, uh, we'll get where I need to be. So I was on the highway and I was battling semi-trailers and trying to get my windscreen wipers to go quicker than what they were because it was a higher car and it was all new and I was struggling and it was all over the place. Uh, but I'd been on there for about an hour and I thought, okay, now's the time to start looking for street signs to Stoke. But I couldn't see any. I couldn't see any. So I kept driving for another five or ten minutes, and then I realised that I was in trouble when I saw a street sign that said, Welcome to Wales. <laughs> I was pretty lost. You see, I knew where I wanted to go. I even knew that there was a way that I should go. I knew intellectually the way to get from Manchester to Stoke. And yet I was still lost. I wasn't following the way. And so the Son of Man, who is the, tr- the way, the truth, and the life, came to seek and to save the lost. This morning, where are you? Are you lost? Jesus is seeking you. Don't fight it. Are you found? May you know and love the Lord Jesus. Many of us here do. Who is Jesus seeking that you know? The great thing about being the church, the great thing about uh, being the body of Christ is that he uses us in his quest to seek and to save the lost. Is there a neighbour, a family member, a friend who Jesus is seeking? How can you be a part of that seeking? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We stand in awe of him who came to seek and to save the lost. We know that without him, we are nothing. But with him, we are children of God. We pray that 2015 might be a year where we, like Jesus, are sent out into this world to seek and to save the lost. Amen.